Welcome back to another episode of Bitfinex Talks. I'm your host, Ricardo Martinez. Today, I'm here with John Carvalho, CEO of Synonym. John, thanks for coming on the show. How are you? Oh, I'm pretty good. Thanks for having me. Um, John, first thing I want to talk about today is the BitKit wallet. I just downloaded it uh, a couple days ago. I've been playing around with it a little bit, and um, I've got some of the widgets set up. I've got the the price feed. Um, the only one I didn't install was the was the Bitcoin Facts widget. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about BitKit? Sure. Um, so BitKit, the idea is to be your ultimate Bitcoin toolkit. Um, we're trying to show how if you combine some of the web, uh, new web technology features that we're creating around a protocol, we have slash tags with um, Bitcoin and Lightning user experiences that you can make a new, cooler type of more useful wallet where you're holding your keys not only for your Bitcoin, but also for your accounts and contacts and anything else. And as you mentioned, that enables a bunch of cool new features like having widgets in there, which are basically like data feeds coming from a decentralized network. So uh, slash tags, uh, I want to get into that in just a second, but they made the, the widgets possible before this was not uh, not possible to achieve. Well, certainly not possible in the way that it's achieved. Um, the what slash tags essentially is doing is it's using an underlying tech called Hypercore, and Hypercore is sort of like a kind of like BitTorrent. Um, except the files are can be uh, appended to, so you can add more and more data to the same file, so you can have like a data stream. Um, and some of your listeners might be familiar with Keat as well, which uses the same underlying technology to do chats and video uh, calls. And so we're using the same technology to show how you can do data streams for applications as well um, in a non-interactive way. So you can have, think of it almost like an RSS feed where you're following like the headlines of you know a specific website you can have anything in that feed and so we're showing people how you can like use these keys to log into websites and make accounts and use them to represent like a, po a portable public profile so sort of like how you have a uh, 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 profile for like your Twitter account or Facebook account, you can now have the same thing where you own the data. And so you can update it and only your keys are able to update these data feeds. And so people know that these updates came from you and they can load these this data in any application and utilize it however they want to. So if you want to like make a social media website where you use these profiles, you can, and it can be the same profiles that you use in BitKit or the same profiles you use in, um, I don't know, like Bitfinex has Pulse in there. You could use it for that as your exchange profile. Um, and so you can do this to have data feeds. And we, we show some examples in the app, which are just data feeds that we're serving, but anybody could serve them. And so we have one that's um, the Bitcoin pro, uh, Bitcoin blocks, which is basically showing like the, the most recent data about like uh, Bitcoin network information, like how large the blocks are, how many transactions, just interesting info about the network. We have one for the price. Um, so you can see like the latest BTC USD price on Bitfinex um, and a little chart of the last 24 hours uh, right inside the wallet. And that's all coming from a data feed that 
any other wallet that wanted to support slash tags could use the same feed if they wanted to. And then, as you mentioned, Bitcoin Facts is another one, and that's just random trivia that we've put into like a little database that people can, you know, load that into any app they want as well. But the the kind of these are just like demos. But the kind of cooler things you can start doing are like account feeds. And so, for example, um, LNMarkets.com, they do they're like a exchange where you can do like high leverage trades. Um, you can now create an account there, and once you've made the account using slash tags, you can just tap to log in from right inside the app. Like you don't even have to type a password. You don't even have to scan a QR code like some other key logins. You can just tap to log in. And then what they're implementing now is you can uh, soon you'll be able to have like a feed of your account data. So you'll be able to see like your current balance in Ellen Markets, your current like profit and loss on your open trade in Ellen Markets, and you'll be able to see this all from inside your wallet. So it's kind of a way that you could have not only your Bitcoin that you have your keys for in your wallet, but any other assets you might have in any other exchanges or uh, or applications, you know, balances, etc. And it could be anything, like literally anything. And so it's a little bit difficult, I think, to kind of imagine all the possibilities from the start, unless you're very creative. So we're kind of trying to show people some ideas to get their, their you know, their gears turning to see what kind of widgets they could create. Because I, you know, the idea here is you could create a whole application out of this. You could have all of the data feeds be hosted by anybody anywhere, and only your key could write to them, and they could be rendered and assembled into any app for whatever reason to create a user experience. And so that's kind of what we're doing in BitKit is kind of just showing how you can use BitKit as the wallet to hold the keys to make all this possible and to create at least you know these these network drives for your profile. Um, and then use these like to like scan and add contacts. And so instead of like contacts where you're managing your own database and like if somebody changes their phone number, you have to like go in there and change it or somebody changes their, say in this case, we're using public profiles like their, their avatar or their bio, you wouldn't know unless you visited the website, you know, twitter.com or something. In this case, like whenever your contact updates something, it automatically will update in your app as well. So you don't have to keep your contacts up to date. Your contacts keep their data up to date. And you can use, because they're using slash tags, you can also use this as a protocol to pay them as well. And so you can just, you know, when you're sending Bitcoin or, or Lightning Bitcoin in your wallet, instead of like having to scan an invoice or paste in a pub key from Bitcoin, you can choose from your contact list and pay somebody through your contacts, which is another user experience wallets weren't really able to do before. Um, I'm really glad that you brought that up because I spoke to you probably around a year ago on Bitrefill's podcast when you were first kind of um, announcing all these ideas. And it was a little hard for me to wrap my head around and kind of imagine what you had in mind. But uh, seeing it all come together is super interesting. Um, the, the Stacker News widget is probably my favorite one because I use Stacker a lot. Um, oh yeah, that, that was any... the one widget I didn't bring up is we have a headlines widget, which is basically on, on our server, we assemble like all the RSS feeds from the Bitcoin world. And so you're always looking at the latest headline. It seems like the Stacker News feed because they have so many more new posts than most other websites. So it's usually their latest headline that's up top. Um, what I'd like to do is see if we can get them to just actually serve their own feed widget 
Um, that way you could just, if you wanted to, have a dedicated Stacker newsfeed. But there's a lot more we can do to make that possible on our end as well. So we have various people we're integrating, you know, slash tags with. Um, another one is Starbacker, which is like an actual social media website that's trying to support Bitcoin within its user experience. Um, you can use uh, slash tags to make an account there. Um, and we have several others in the works as well. I was going to ask you about the social media component because lately a lot of Bitcoiners have been talking about Noster and playing around with Noster, which also uses this uh, public private key encryption. Are there any plans to do like a, a Noster integration with BitKit? No, I mean, we, we've discussed it, but the issue is that like there's two ways that we could approach it. We could approach it where we could start integrating, you know, our methods into a Noster implementation or you know we could implement Noster into our methods and as we examine both of those the problem is that what Noster is trying to do is essentially show how try to keep everything extremely simple so people can hack with it and this is taking some shortcuts in some ways to make that possible which you know every design you know has to make some kind of trade-offs and so one trade-off that they're making is to saying let's keep the protocol very simple so that way anybody can use it but then that means it's not very flexible in some ways. And so, for example, um, Noster uses libsecp as the, the encryption curve for the keys, and slash tags does not use that. Most uh, web you know, technologies wouldn't use that key curve. We thought about using it at first, but we didn't because of various you know, interoperability and, you know, capability and capability limitations that it would present to us. And, you know, Little also like yeah I don't know uh, the to, I was going to go into another tangent that doesn't won't be useful um, but uh, the idea here is that we would want to be able to use say slash tags and the profiles in Bitkit in Noster if we were going to support Noster and Noster doesn't really have that capability to support two different key types. And I don't think that they're going to be very uh, interested in changing their key type to just to suit us, even though we are using what is a very popular key type and one and a key type that now unlocks other things that could be done, like using Hypercore as a basis and being able to have data feeds that your key owns, being able to have a DHT as a networking you know, primitive. And... These are problems actually that Nasser is now realizing they have to solve. And they might decide to start using some of the same stack that we're using, but whether or not they would totally convert to using what we're using is unlikely because every because it's going to add some complexity to the design. And they're trying to avoid complexity. They're trying to make it, you know, very, very hackable. And so we're better off just trying to learn from what uh, Noster is doing what the AT protocol from Blue Sky is doing. You know, whatever what other people are doing. So, and just giving users uh, features that we think are useful within our stack um, for now. Uh, we'll revisit it probably quarterly to see if there's some way to do it. Um, but the problem is like us trying to make Noster more like more like or more compatible with our vision is mostly going to be disruptive to Noster and us trying to support Noster within our stuff is going to confuse our users and our vision because it's like now you'll have say your Noster account plus your BitKit profile and like why do I have two 
different profiles why isn't one working with the other and it gets to be very confusing when you mix these all these technologies together for the user and the user experience is very important to us so i'll say i think nostr is interesting i think it's cool i'm glad to see that they're getting some you know support and some funding and you know having some momentum but it just simply isn't how we would design such a thing um and we we would be willing to you know assist and have them uh, make their thing more interoperable but with our thing but it'd be pretty disruptive and so we're, we're not going to try to force anybody to you know change the, the path that they're on because i don't think they would be interested in the level of complexity although i do think they will need to um, to solve some of the problems they currently need to solve and i think they've done a lot of research into solving some some of the problems they need to solve and they're coming around to like uh, that a dht might be interesting you know things like this so who knows what will happen, but right now I, I don't think there's a, a very practical way to mix our two visions. I, I need to check out Starbacker. I haven't really started messing around with it yet, but uh, it's on my list of to-do. Um, another thing that, well, recently I, I listened to your podcast on the Thriller podcast, and I found it fascinating how you were talking about trying to accomplish things without a blockchain. Uh, can you kind of talk about that a little bit? Sure. You know, I think that um, for a lot, I've been in Bitcoin for about 10 years now. And ever since I started, or ever, at least ever since people started making arguments for, you know, shit coins or what we used to call old coins, but now shit coins seems to have stuck. Um, but we, you know, they always tried to have narratives as far as like what you could do that Bitcoin can't do. And, you know, the the maximalists and the, and the more practical people would say, well, you just don't need a blockchain for that. Blockchain is not going to make that solve that problem any better than a database would or or some other solution. And they just never listen because most of the appeal with altcoins is honestly just like gambling and trying to get rich and trying to have these kind of Ponzi schemes with narratives attached, at least once you strip away the technology narratives. And so that's partly what we're showing is that, you know, you can strip away the technology narratives. And instead of just yelling at altcoiners and saying, hey, you don't need a blockchain for that don't use don't use a blockchain for that we can say hey look you can use this instead and there's no blockchain you know dependency there's no having to like hold someone's bags or gamble or take risks so there's no there's no more narrative about blockchain because we can actually show you that you can do this x use case without a blockchain y use case without a blockchain and so some of those things are like for example web3 Web3, for the most part, is nonsense. They're conflating a lot of use cases of, you know, say, public-private key pair as authentication. They're conflating this with the blockchain somehow making that better, and it's not really true, um, in, in our opinion. And we're, we're just trying to show that. We're trying to say, hey, Slashtags is doing all these things and, and a bunch more and really cool, you know, new powerful features that you can build with and we're not having to rely on a blockchain at all. Another one is the uh, pair credit project, which we're working with with Tether and Hole Punch um, to show how you can also do credit or what people would call tokens um, without a blockchain at all as well and still have you know the same or very similar qualities, but except just cheaper and you know less overhead and less risk and less, you know, gambling and such so yeah it, it's part of our i wouldn't say it's our mission at synonym so much as 
we we feel it's our duty to check to make sure whether or not if there's a user experience that our users need or are demanding that we make sure that we're designing and choosing the best design that is available and not just like leaning on blockchains because in the end every blockchain even side chains are competing with bitcoin and i don't really want to support you know competitors to bitcoin um and i don't really think we need to or they bring anything to the table so let's figure out how to like you know show people how to do uh, solve their problems without you know bogus technology now that you brought up pair credit that was going to be another question that i asked you about can you kind of explain what exactly it is um i remember about a year ago when i first talked to you uh synonym had just uh kind of pioneered sending tether through lightning channels but it sounds like pair credit is not using lightning can you explain why you guys may have changed strategies? Sure, there's some nuance there. Um, so I also used to work at BitRefill. And when I did work there, you know, I got this idea in my head about doing gift cards on the Lightning Network. And I was thinking, oh, you know, if we had gift tokens and we had them on Lightning, this could be like a strict upgrade to how, you know, BitRefill customers use gift cards. Like they wouldn't have any more breakage. Everything would be instant. They wouldn't, they would be able to resell their tokens to each other. And they would, you, uh, issuers would be able to buy back their tokens from their customers and they could have discounts and there could be all kinds of things you could do that you can't really do practically with a gift card and this got me thinking a lot over the years because this was already you know i don't know what four years ago maybe more um where I, when i was first having this idea um and uh it's got me thinking like why are tokens useful like wh why do people use them why is there so much money in tether like what what is the real like the, the root utility here that people are taking advantage of. And what I came down to was, one, the only useful type of token really is a form of credit. Like stable coins are a form of credit. You know, you, you have a promise from the issuer that when you bring this token to them, they will redeem it for a dollar. Um, and they might have their own like requirements for doing that. In the case with like Tether, like you have to KYC to have like a root Tether account to be able to like deposit and withdraw dollars, create and destroy Tethers. Um, but the aftermarket doesn't need that. And so the interesting thing about tokens on blockchains was simply it's a way to have credit that is a bearer instrument that can have an aftermarket where there can be peer-to-peer -peer trade that you don't have to ask permission of the issuer to do that peer-to-peer -peer trade. Now, the issuer can still censor to some degrees, even with blockchain tokens, where they can, like, you know, uh, freeze your balance or refuse to, you know, redeem your balance if they identify you as, you know, a criminal or, or if you're under investigation or something and they, they have some kind of evidence. Um, so in the end, you always have to trust the issuer to some degree when it comes to credit and tokens. And so the and the the, the result is, you know, this idea that, Bitcoin is the only trustless money. Everything else is credit. And the question is, who do you trust? And what are, you, what are they promising you for their credit? Um, and so, you know, in the case of a, a gift card, you know, Amazon is promising you like to give you a balance to buy merchandise at their store or Starbucks is promising to let you buy some coffees or, you know, these, these kinds of things, or even like VPNs are promising you like a month of VPN service. It's not always denominated in the money. Sometimes it's denominated in the product or service. And I find that really interesting as a way to say, maybe like, this isn't the right way to put it, but maybe the audience will understand it easy, which is like decentralized tether. 
In other words, rather than having all of the credit like amass into like giant, you know, stable coins, maybe we could like mix that with the idea of berry fill and gift cards and have people hold credit mostly in the things they actually need credit for. And so rather than having, you know, only credit that is abstracted to a dollar and having to trust the US government not to overinflate it or this kind of thing, you could have credit issued in, you know, tomatoes from your grocery store or, you know, uh, coffees from your coffee shop or, you know, a month of Netflix from Netflix. And this way they have that they can manage their own stability issues with, you know, how they store their value and how and their liabilities for the credit they have out there. So, yeah, you know, that that's a bit of the theory behind it. It's just saying, you know, let, let's understand why tokens and credit are actually useful. And then let's ask the question, OK, well, we we did research and we, we saw that there is our way various ways to get tokens on on lightning and have them be instant. And we've seen many different blockchains have tokens on their base layer, and we've seen that as well. And we've seen what makes them successful or what makes them expensive or what makes them fail, you know, all, all these different dynamics. And one, after we did the research with implementing Omnibolt, which is what you're talking about, um, a way of taking Omni channels, and Omni is like the original Bitcoin layer where Tether was also born. Um, and so, Stable coins were on Bitcoin first, you know, the, the token layer was on Bitcoin first. People were doing tokens on Bitcoin long before they were on altcoins. And what we learned was, okay, there's a certain trade-off here where every asset you have to create is essentially a new Lightning Network. And that's fine as long as the asset, you know, is interesting and has some people that are willing to, like, make a network together. And that would certainly be true for something like Tether. But then you've got to bootstrap and, you know, get convince, you know, all these different entities, exchanges and merchants to accept an, a new lightning network for every asset that you want, you know, to, to uh, have issued this way. And that's not impossible. Like once you have support for Omnibolt and Omni itself, you can, you know, it's not a far leap to get them to support multiple lightning networks. But then we saw how Taro, um, we, we were reviewing Taro, uh, their, their pre-BIPs, their proposals before they had publicly announced them. And we, they handled it a different way. And their way was to basically have the tokens always be exchanged for Bitcoin once they hit the Lightning Network and then exchanged back to the token. And there's a bunch of trade-offs with that. Now you basically need exchanges, which means you need actual liquidity, which means you can't really bootstrap smaller tokens. They all need to be like highly liquid tokens in order for this to work. There's various trade-offs with latency and costs. And you know this was another design we saw and I just began to get frustrated. I was like, look, there's these trade-offs over here when we use a blockchain that's like an altcoin. There's these trade-offs over here when we use a blockchain on Bitcoin. There's these trade-offs over here when we use Omnibolt on Bitcoin, you know, multiple lightning networks. There's these trade-offs over here with trying to always convert it to Bitcoin in order to use the lightning network. And I, I, I was getting frustrated and I was starting to say to Paulo that like, I'm starting to wonder if there's a way to do this without a blockchain at all, whether we should be using a blockchain at all. You know, we have people even within our team that are saying like, just use a database. But the problem is, a database doesn't do what I need it to. It doesn't give me those two qualities that I mentioned for the bearer instrument, where the the uh, 
I can I can hold this IOU and trade it peer to peer and and do so without you know asking permission of the issuer. So I can have this aftermarket. And you know, and so I kind of mentioned these requirements to Paulo, and he told me about how he had thought about similar ideas in the past, and then he had some designs for using Hypercore to be able to do you know credit issuance. And you know, as we already established, these these basically are credit. And while there are other forms of credit that you could talk about and other use cases for credit aside from gift cards and stable coins, it's the same primitive in the end. And so he started, you know, working with Matthias at Hole Punch to kind of do a proposal and, you know, design for using Hypercore to create like this kind of fractal ledger system. So this way, you know, an issuer like Tether could create a ledger using a hyperdrive, a hypercore, um, the same thing, the same basis that we use for like the widgets and the feeds, you know, on slash tags and your profiles and slash tags, the same underlying technology. But instead of using a blockchain, we already have to trust the issuer at the root level, right? Like we, we always have to trust them to not make more tokens than they've sold, to redeem the tokens when you bring them. The blockchain doesn't remove that, and that's not something that the blockchain can can stop or protect people from. So that's you know an assumption. And then let's say let's and so what what Pair Credit does is it lets you as an account holder now spin off your old your own ledger using your balance and so say for example you have um you know you have binance has an account with tether and kraken has an account account with tether and now they can use their balance in their pair credit you know ledger to make their own ledger and so now there's a binance ledger that that is consisting of their balance on tether and now they can have accounts in the Binance ledger. And so their users, for example, could have accounts. And then their users, like as a form of, say, the equivalent of withdrawing from Binance, can now lock their, their balance in the Binance ledger and make their own personal ledger. And so you can kind of keep locking this balance, you know, until you have this whole like root system where, you know, people can separate themselves from the the ledger above them by creating their own ledger and the way that pair credit kind of improves on the other designs significantly is that you don't need routing and you don't need a blockchain and thus you don't necessarily need fees to use the protocol because you don't have to like pay miners to accept your transactions and you don't need routing and routing fees in order to peer-to-peer trade your tokens and so what you can do is you know, you know so i've explained how you know up here you have a tether ledger then you have another exchange and another exchange and then you have the users of those exchanges well like what if this user wants you know over you know on this you know fork of the ledger or this roots the subsystem wants to pay somebody over here um people would think oh well i probably have to like send it from here to here to here to here then back down and here to here to here and, and that's essentially like routing kind of but no you don't what, you, what we actually do is we create the same type of technology that that the lightning network uses a lightning channel across ledgers and so these it's kind of like it's like a, a lightning for data instead of lightning for blockchains and so this user over here say john wants to trade with ricardo over here we open like a disposable lightning channel that we can keep open for as long as we want or just do it for one transaction but we do our our, our trading off chain or off database off ledger 
And so this not only gives us the ability to peer-to-peer -peer pay each other without having to, you know, get permission from the issuers, it gives us the ability to have our our trades be private from them so they don't even see them and we just settle when we're done and just like the lightning network if somebody tries to misbehave there's a punishment mechanism to where i can show a proof to the ledger and say hey look i have a newer version of our agreement that's signed by both of us and this person's cheating you know resolve the trade you know accordingly and it, it we can automate this like enforcement so you can basically have I know it sounds crazy or like uh, or like I'm shilling, but I really have trouble seeing that it's not basically a strict improvement over blockchain, a strict improvement over lightning, and just basically only takes the good parts and gets rid of the the bad parts. Again, the slowness of the blockchain is a bad part. The fees of the blockchain are a bad part. The routing requirements and liquidity requirements of lightning are the bad parts and we were, we've removed all of those and kind of short-circuited into a more peer-to-peer -peer network by using this ledger system that is based on a dht network i hope that makes sense wow. yeah it does that that sounds extremely interesting um when will people be able to start playing around with pair i know that it's kind of launched but um when when would i be able to start playing with with this so we didn't launch it. We we basically announced it. And so we are teasing a little bit, but we felt like the Lagano conference was a great opportunity to do that because like the whole family was there, you know, uh, Paulo and Bitfinex and Tether and, and Synonym and Hole Punch. And it was a great time for us all to kind of get on stage and tell people what we were working on um, since uh, roughly April. Um, I think, you know, a, a good guess would be probably a year after. So April next year, I wouldn't be surprised to see some public code. Um, but right now, you know, there's still a lot that they're that the, the engineers are working on to make sure it's, you know, actually functional has the features you would, you know, the minimum feature set you would expect, um, then in order to have it be safe for public use, you know, we want to make sure we do some code audits, make sure the design is actually sound and can't be like broken in some very dangerous way. And the goal, at least, and the roadmap that we're, we're going for is that, you know, first we'll, you know, do the first version of the code and kind of start showing that so people can play with it. Then we'll start implementing it into our applications like BitKit and Keat. Um, and then hopefully by Lugano Conference um, next year in, in uh, you know, the fourth quarter, we'll actually have it in our apps with Tether and people actually being able to use this as an alternative way to have both Tether and, you know, maybe gift tokens and, and credit system that doesn't require a blockchain. So, yeah, the, the goal is basically to be done and have it be in users' hands, you know, consumer hands by the next uh, Plan B conference and, and Q4. I'm looking forward to it. This is super exciting. Um, uh, another question that I had is with, with Pair Credit, are these uh, tokens going to be like cross compatible with either Terra or RGB or one of these other uh, tokenization uh, implementations? Um, no, there's not really any such thing. Um, this is like this kind of goes back to you know a long time ago when Blockstream was first created. Their original vision was that they thought that they could do a way to atomically have a one to one peg across blockchains across networks and kind of do this in a trustless way turned out that that nobody has been able to really solve that every every method of bridging a 
a blockchain or in our case bridging blockchain to a ledger system um, is uh, not really possible without trust and so if you're willing to have a middleman to do your exchanging and and, and you know you know have uh, an oracle that can to trust for your rate for of exchange you can probably automate things like this um, but to have it be something where they're just interoperable is not really like a, a, a physics compatible idea we're getting close to the end of the podcast is there anything that i haven't asked you that you think is important for our audience to know um i guess i could just like maybe overview again because we, we didn't talk about everything that we do but i think the main thing that we left out maybe was walk tank um, and so everything you know we do at Synonym is to try to, you know, have at least one reference you know ecosystem that is the minimum set of software and services that you would need to totally opt out of the current system. And so, and we identify this as like big tech, uh, big banks, and big state. And so, what would happen if we actually got hyper Bitcoinization and we disrupted those three, you know, major entities? And what would we replace them with in a self-sovereign way? And that's what that's what Synonym is trying to do as a company is kind of have a whole minimum set of of applications that are that are working together to give you this way to opt out of that system and you know realize hyper Bitcoinization. And so we have uh, Block Tank, which is an LSP service, and this is like so a server basically for helping you use Lightning and helping you integrate Lightning with your applications, helping you accept Lightning as like an exchange or a merchant. You know anything you might need to do. To to make lightning practical and automated and useful so you can have basically instant bitcoin spending we have um bitkit which is like you know your toolkit for all of your bitcoin needs for holding your keys and creating transactions and kind of the the early stages of like forming your 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 web of trust with your contacts and showing you how you can do this interoperability for uh, data modules for these feeds and widgets um, and then we have slash tags, which is the kind of underlying technology that's powering those features that we talked about earlier. And basically, you know, the the underlying system for like the next web. So the, the kind of big tech killer. Um, and then so Bitcoin would be like Bitcoin and Lightning would be the big bank killer. You know, uh, slash tags would be the big tech killer. And then also the big state killer when we start getting into later like reputation systems and, you know, ways of basically having self-regulating systems. So you can choose like who to trust, why you trust them, what you trust them with, the context of trust. And this ends up also helping with attacking the big tech because it uh, allows you to do things like have your own way of filtering data and your own way of weighting data and using webs of trust for that as well. But this is not necessarily something we've shipped yet. It's kind of, we have the early primitives that are going to make that possible in place and we're continually building it out with slash tags. And so, yeah, uh, we have um, block tank, you know, bit kit, slash tags, um, and we hope to demonstrate probably another product or two, like maybe a social media product or a content publishing product. Um, but, you know, I'm not sure what the timeline is for that yet because we want to make sure everything else works really well. Thank you. Um, although this is open source, uh, developers that are curious about it can, can play around and, and build with this? Yep, everything we do is MIT licensed open sourced. Um, BitKit code for the wallet was open sourced since the day we released it. Um, this is, we, we don't really delay open sourcing anything that we do. 
Um, and yeah, we, there are people that are starting to contribute, you know, with block tank contribute with BitKit and slash tags. Um, because with BitKit, um, a little sub thing that we did was we implemented, we're one of the, the first implementers of the LDK, um, lightning development kit for lightning. And so we, we've, you know, have our own implementation of that and people seem to be liking it and trying to use it for their own purposes as well. And so that we're getting some contr some contributions from different um, developers, as, and that's something we're really interested in. Particularly with slash tags, you know, we want to do some hackathons in the new year and like really like get get the word out to people that they can build things. Sort of like how they're doing uh, a little bit with Noster with building their own Noster clients. Well, except the difference with slash tags is you could pretty much build anything. You could build, you know. You know, CDNs. You could build, you know, websites. You could build data feeds. You could build applications, identity systems, reputation systems. Pretty much anything you would want to do in a network, you could do with slash tags and hypercore as primitives. And so we want to start like, making people realize that they have this tool now and that they can help, you know, create the next web. Synonym two is the website. Uh, where else can people follow you online? So we have a website and Twitter handle for all of the products we talked about today. So if your only if your interest is only in slash tags, you can go to slash tags that's slash tags um, block tank two for the lightning stuff, uh, bitkit two for the wallet, and you know of course synonym two if you just want the overview on everything that's going on. If you're interested in following my Twitter, um, which maybe isn't for the faint of heart, uh, you can follow me at Bitcoin Error Log um, on Twitter, and same on Telegram if you want to chat. Awesome, uh, John. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, I'd love to have you back uh, whenever you want to come back on the show. Would be happy to anytime. Thank you.